This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm Jackie P. I'm John T. Before we dive into the episode today, um, we wanted to bring to your attention some things we have going on that you'll be able to participate with us in. Um, first is a four-week webinar that we're doing around dating and recovery. We've done mm-hmm. a face-to-face intensive. Mm-hmm. With and we this. did a brief webinar mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, This is going to be a four-part series. Uh, each section will be an hour long. There will be interactive assignments and discussion. Uh-huh. And things like that. Um, and and you can participate live, mm-hmm. or you can just if if the live time it's on a Sunday, right? Yeah, We're doing them on do Sundays, like Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. Um, and that's Mountain Standard Time for us. And but if you can't be there live, then you can always catch the recordings and maybe even mm-hmm. email some questions in that we can address. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make some of the great things that we did in our face to face dating intensive available, um, a little more affordable, mm-hmm. a little more digestible. Um, so that'll start on March 24th, and it's the next four weeks the after that. The next four Sundays. Yep. And then we also have a Family of Origin Intensive coming up um, on February 28th through the 3rd. And this one, we're really going to look at relationships within the family and how they impact you as an adult, mm-hmm. how they're showing up now. And this is one that, as we've looked around, one of the reasons why we came up with this Mm -hmm. is we've looked around because our clients have needed this kind of work, Mm -hmm. and we can't find somewhere that does it this way. And and we've looked. We've asked. We've been looking for this. And so we decided to do it ourselves. Yeah, a lot of a lot of intensives and a lot of therapy will harken back to family of origin, but we're right. really going to dive into But it's not focused yeah, on family. We're of just going to dive into and really focus on family of origin. Um, kind of a jump starter yeah. there helping you get some clarity around some So things. if when John started to talk about that you thought, "Oh, I need that." But then you talked yourself out of that by the time I'm talking. No, <laughs> that that's a family of origin issue and you need to sign up. <laughs> yes. Um, and then uh, our, our last intensive, um, we have a men's face-to-face dating intensive um, that's going to be January 31st through the 3rd of February. Yes, and that will be in John's home city of Ogden, Utah, which he will, likes to talk up. You will all be so fortunate to visit there. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in that, that's a men's only dating in recovery, mm-hmm. and that'll be good. And we just have a few seats left on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We've, we've started to fill that one up. So um, you can check out the website onelayerdeeper.com um, for more information on those. Okay, so today we're going to continue in our series on uh, how to make amends with your kids and how to bring your recovery into your parenting. Yeah, so we're going to look at ages 5 to about 10 yeah. today. Um, not because five-year-olds to ten-year-olds are the same, but there's some developmental themes that go on during mm-hmm. these years that it's really, I think it really helps with approaching a healing and recovery perspective to understand how kids develop and why right. kids develop along those lines at these ages. Right. Um, so the first thing that I would point out is um, around five and a little bit before that, we go from protest from our kids being this just straight no uh-huh. and there being no logic or reason to it. To our kids put a lot more words around that, and sometimes right. there's logic and reason to it. Right. So a five to ten year old can argue with you, mm-hmm. and they will argue with you. Right. And they'll enjoy it. 
And that's important for their development. Absolutely. It's not important for your enjoyment. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what it's about. Yeah. Um, So I think from a recovery standpoint, as as things start to shift in the family system, um, the kids around this age, I think kids at every age notice shifts. Uh Kids around this age will be able to talk about it. Yeah. And they'll be able to talk about it with varying degrees of accuracy. Mm-hmm. So it's important in understanding that your kids are getting a sense for words and they can do that. You need to talk to them more. Mm-hmm. Um, not having adult conversations with them. You know, keep it on a five-year-old level or a seven-year-old level or right. whatever level they're it, at. It's not complex like it would be for 17 right. or adult, but mm-hmm. this is more complex than zero mm-hmm. to five. Words can be very, very helpful. When we did the zero to five episode, we talked a lot about attunement and presence mm-hmm. and play and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, kids from 5 to 10 still need that. And yeah. you can also add on this layer of talking. Yeah. And the other thing, we'll talk about this in some of the other aspects of this um, age development. But as we're talking about words and their ability to use more words, as a parent, you need to give them more words. Yeah. And and le- and expound. Like, oh, is it this mm-hmm. or is it this? Right? Mm-hmm. And, and give them some words. Like, do you know what this means? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like this. Um, and we'll talk about that some more as we go on. But... But this is also a great opportunity, and mm-hmm. and we can talk about what you as a parent are doing as you're mm-hmm. adding to their vocabulary, mm-hmm. right? You're becoming um, important yeah. and relevant in their eyes as you're giving that information yeah. to them. So, so words can be really important. I, I would also put in there that um, kids this age are getting a growing sense of the unknown and how scary that is. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when kids are a lot younger, the unknown is just the unknown, and they do whatever they're Mm going to do. But kids this age, they start to connect actions with consequences. And so as you're giving words, make sure that they're age appropriate Mm -hmm. and make sure that the context isn't going to overwhelm the kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you may give words like your, your kids might start hearing things like addiction, or Mm -hmm. they might start hearing things like conflict or repair. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really, really important that you stick with that concept not just in one conversation, but over a long period of time to make sure that that right. kid has a context for what we're talking right. about. Because otherwise their imagine, imagination will go crazy and they're probably going to terrify themselves with right. what they come up with. I was also going to say, as you were talking about kind of their awareness of the unknown and how scary that can be. In my personal story, I was six, right? right when I kind of came to this realization that I couldn't rely on my parents. Mm-hmm. And it made things very scary for me, mm-hmm. right? So again, being able to show up as a parent competently and saying, I- I've got this. I know mm-hmm. those, this bigger world that you're just tuning into can be really important and securing mm-hmm. for that child. Mm-hmm. And there's there's ways that we can do that really collaboratively with our child. Mm-hmm. Kids this age love learning. Like, they're little fact hounds. Mm-hmm. And they'll absorb all sorts of things. So as you're, as you're working on issues within your family and educating your kids on that side of things, um, taking this let's learn about this together mm-hmm. approach... Um, or even this, I have some things to teach you mm-hmm. approach. Um, kids will really respond to um, not just facts and figures, but also interesting stories. Um, m- my kids are in this 5 to 10 range, and um, they have taken a real big fascination with my job. Mm. So anytime they hear the word therapist, they're coming back to me with like, okay, so this is what you do. And and recently there's a there's a there's a comedy podcast I really like to listen to. It's, it's called, this is that it's the, it's the onion. So it's like Mm. spoof news. Satirical. Um, 
And there was an episode years ago about this guy somewhere in Canada who was a therapist, and he would go to his patients' homes, and he would wrestle them physically. And um, so, you know, they play this audio of this guy, like, and now tell me about your dad! And, like, you know, and they're, they're wrestling. So my five-year-old, he remembers this from years ago, and he's connected it. And, and the other day, he's talking to his cousin, and they're talking about what they want to be when they grow up. Mm. And my five-year-old says, I want to be a therapist. But not the wrestling kind of therapist. <laughs> I want to be the kind like my dad. Like, just talking to people about their problems and helping them. Um, and so, as, as, as we are introducing these recovery concepts into our relationships, into our life, um, th- your kids are really going to like to hear about that. Uh-huh. And they're going to like to learn about that. Uh-huh. Um, so... Depending on the age appropriateness and the situation appropriateness, you may talk to them about how therapy works for you or how uh-huh. recovery works for you. I go to these meetings and I talk to people about right. the problems I'm having and they help me. Mm-hmm. And your kids are going to be fascinated about that. Right. And, and because one of the other things for kids during this age group is they really can begin to start to love learning. Mm-hmm. And so if you have this vast knowledge for them to learn from you are setting yourself up again as relevant in Mm -hmm. their life Mm -hmm. right and you're going to give them information so sometimes yeah like they ask a lot of questions during this age frame Mm -hmm. and it can be annoying Mm -hmm. but if you recognize this is their love for learning and how i Mm -hmm. respond to them is either going to set them up down the road when they're older to still come to me with questions that are more relevant and that i'm more interested in having an influence on or not yeah yeah um, so, so there's a thread through this. And as we were doing kind of the, the prep work for this episode, Jackie, you kept bringing up, this is where you become relevant in their mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where I, I hate to put it in really black and white terms, but it's almost like you make it or break it here. Yeah. Um, it's, it's much easier to become relevant in their lives at this age than to try to, to, vie for that when they're teenagers right? and have already firmly connected to peer groups. Yeah, I used to say to one of my friends, because she would come to me and be like, we had daughters the same age, and she'd be like, oh my gosh, she comes home and she wants to tell me all about her day, and it's the <laughs> boringest thing ever, right? And and she gets mad if I don't listen, and I was just like, yeah, but her day isn't always going to be boring. right? And if you don't listen to her now, or she feels like that you're not even interested, when it does get interesting she's not even going to give you access to that. Right. So you got to show up now and you got to pay your dues because it pays off down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of this, all of these stages um, recognize there's seeds that can be planted in these stages mm-hmm. that we'll harvest later, even with when we're going to do an episode on adult children, mm-hmm. um, even with adult children, we can start to plant seeds that we will harvest down the road yeah. in, in connection and, and attunement in the relationship. Be- because one of the things we also talked about before we hit record was that during this age, let's talk about the friendships mm-hmm. and how if as an adult you're not showing up in relevant ways, you get replaced, which mm-hmm. is not good, right? Because their bra- brain then sinks with their peers. And this this is a really, um, this is a different twist on the conventional wisdom that says like kids just grow up to differentiate. And the truth is we don't see this in every culture around the world. Right, right. Um, In some cultures, teenagers are known for getting more involved in their families Mm -hmm. and closer to mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Um, In Western society, that's like, what's wrong with that teenager? But we also have an emphasis on individual versus group. Yeah, so so this, this, this take on friendships being a replacement for the family that's not available. Gabor Mate talks a lot about that. Yeah, yep. 
Um, and and he he will say that happens if they have learned that parents aren't available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so as you're as you're watching your your kids during these years, there can be a lot of anxiety about what they're doing with friends and whether they're connecting or not. Uh-huh. It's also important to look at the context of the family. Um, my oldest, he's not a huge, like, go out and spend time with friends. And wh- we talked about this in the last episode. When I'm looking through the lens of my own story, that scares me to death mm. because that was me. And that was a trauma piece mm-hmm. or a wound. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is um, I wasn't happy at home. And I wasn't happy with friends because I didn't have you good didn't friendships. Right, I didn't belong. Um, as I look at my nine-year-old, one of the most frequent complaints we get from him is, I'm not home enough. Mm. I want to be here more. Mm. Um, and so there's a really important context there. So um, you don't want to... I think it's really important as some basic like healing in the family. Get some information about how kids develop. Uh-huh. And get that from a lot of different sources. If you do a web search... On that, you're probably not going to come up with all of the relevant information. Um, I I think that's a key in all of these stages. Learn about what these stages of development look like Uh and remember what it was like for you. Right. Um, And and ask yourself, how can I assist in this development? mm -hmm. What does my child need from me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. I I remember um, with one of my kids, you know, because during these ages, too, their world becomes bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it used to be, you know, your house grandma and grandpa, cousins, and maybe the neighbors that lived close by, mm-hmm. right? At, th- at these ages, they start, you know, going around the corner on the next street, right? They're meeting kids in school, in elementary school, that they never would have otherwise come in contact you with just based on where they lived, yeah. right? And and so there's some of that. I remember as a parent thinking, how am I going to protect my kid? Because all of a sudden they're not with me 24 mm-hmm. seven. And, and that's a good thing. Like they need to start going a- away from me, but how do I protect them? Right. And one of the things that I realized is I- I've got to let them know they're capable of protecting. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, t- we were, had talked again about their ability to say no. Mm-hmm. And it's different than maybe how a two year old or a three year old says no, mm-hmm. there's more complexity to it. And we've got to be aware of that as a parent. Mm-hmm. I remember one time, my kid was uh, heading off to kindergarten, and we had just built a house um, in this neighborhood, and we were like, there were two houses on the street completed, right? So it was a pretty, like, there was a lot of construction workers coming and going, um, not a lot of, like, families yet. And so she would, I would walk out on the front porch, and I'd walk her, or I'd watch her walk all the way down to the end of the street, and then she'd turn the corner. I couldn't see her anymore, but it was like a house, and usually her friend was standing there, and then they'd walk a few more houses to the elementary school. And so I had done that. I had stayed on the porch, watched her get to the corner to where I couldn't see her anymore, went back in the house. And probably, I don't know, three minutes later, she shows up at our back door. Just in, I could see this panic terror on her, right? And I opened the door, and I was like, what's going on? And she's like there was a strange man and I didn't know. And I was like, well, was Mikkel there? And she was like, no, Mikkel wasn't out. And for whatever reason, she decided rather than going to Mikkel's front door, she'd just book mm-hmm. at home, but she came through all the backyards, right? And she was mm-hmm. really scared. And for a little while, she was afraid to go outside from me. Like I now had to walk her to the corner or walk mm-hmm. her to school, which I did. But I would also talk to her and I would say, but look how you kept yourself safe. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't know why you didn't go to Mikkel's house, but you knew to come through the back streets. You knew to come home, right? You came to the back door, like, 
kind of convincing her, even though as a mom, I was a little freaked out too, but I wanted her to see, like, you have some of these skills in you. Mm -hmm. Even when I'm not there, look at what you did. Look at what you knew how to do. That's so great. You're growing up. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, that takes me, um, we we talked about also a growing sense of privacy on, among these kids. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a good time to talk about that. This is one of the ways that we reinforce. This is how you keep you safe Uh is you, you tune into your feelings and, Kids here will start to recognize their feelings around space. Um, I remember the the transition from my oldest into like functional privacy. We were at a, a my in laws cabin, and um, it's time to get ready for bed. And so I hand him his pajamas and I said, "Put these on," thinking he would go into the room. Right. <laughs> so he strips down to his underwear, and then all of a sudden he covers himself up, and he's like, "I need privacy to get dressed." And he just like stripped down to his underwear in front of everybody. Um, but there was this growing awareness of like, this is what I want to protect <laughs> and this is what I want to hide. And so um, another way that we reinforce that ability for our kids to keep themselves safe is when they say no or they say, I don't want this or I don't mm-hmm. want you to have access. We need to respect that. Yeah. I remember once talking to my mom. Uh, one of my kids went through a phase with her where she was a difficult child and my mom did not appreciate that. Um, and And I think my daughter could sense that from my mom. And so as a result, she didn't really like grandma. And she grew out of it. But for this time period, she didn't really like grandma. It was like from five to six. And so we, it was Christmas time and we had gone to her house for, you know, I think it was Christmas Eve and we were leaving and my mom was saying, come give grandma a kiss. And this daughter was like, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. Right. And so then my mom pretends she's crying and it's like, oh, that's so hurt grandma's feelings. Like, why won't you come kiss grandma, right? And I just said, mom, let me just ask you a question. I said, these are, at the time, they were her only granddaughters, right? And I said, these are your granddaughters. Do you want to teach them as their grandmother that they have a right to say no when somebody asks for a kiss and they have a right to expect that their no is respected? Or do you want to teach them that if somebody asks for a kiss, whether they want it or not, they have to give it? And she was like, oh, yeah, no, I would never want to teach that to my granddaughters. And I was like, okay, so let's just trust that she's six. Mm-hmm. She'll grow out of it. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, you respect that. Mm-hmm. And and then my mom did. And I kudos to her that she was just like, okay, yeah, I can do that. I, again, it's a no, right? No. And how they get feedback from their no mm-hmm. determines what they think down the road. Mm-hmm. Trust at this age, I think, really starts to become two-way mm-hmm. um when, when kids are really really young they have no choice but to trust right. their parents and rely on them and here they're really going to be watching for how do you respond when i have an individual moment right um how do you respond when i want something or i need something yeah. that you don't want or need and, and also i mean my husband was really um i mean i think i was too but he was really clued into i need to still keep an eye on them without being smothering to them Mm -hmm. but i want to know what's happening like when we're at you know gatherings whether it was church or family or whatever he's like i i want to know what's happening because i know that sometimes out of my sight things happen that Mm -hmm. i may not be told about Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um let's talk about now um this growing desire to fit in okay and yeah so traditionally, we look at this as just with their peers, but I think also there's this growing desire to identify with the family mm-hmm. or to find their place in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, K- 
kids in this stage, we talk a lot about peer pressure and how susceptible they are to that. I think they're also susceptible to family pressure. Mm. Um, I was speaking with a client recently about the phenomenon of enmeshment, which um, we started paying attention to this as we started studying families of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where this this idea came from. Um, so in, in addiction, it's not uncommon for a family to have a circle the wagons mentality mm-hmm. and they circle the wagons very very tightly and that plays a very important role in the the institution of the family surviving um, when there's not active addiction going on that can be a hard um, that can be a hard arrangement to leave mm-hmm. when it's time for the system to open back up so when you say like they circle the wagons is that things like what happens in the family stays in the family mm-hmm. okay there can be that there can be we don't air our dirty laundry. There mm-hmm. can be family first mm-hmm. um, type stuff. So, in recovery, I think it's I think it's easy to fall into family is still first, and it's it's what's going on here that matters. Mm-hmm. And our if if we're not careful, we can also really play in or we can manipulate unintentionally, hopefully, that child's desire to fit in, and we can set up family rules that may not mm-hmm. work for the child. Or an identity in the family that may not be reflective of the child's own identity. And and so I'm thinking as you're talking about that, like maybe some of the things as parents you can do, right, is recognize that they do have need for friends and mm-hmm. that their world is getting bigger and they want to explore that. And and so maybe rather than family first, it's that your family's here. Mm-hmm. Like we're this safety net. We're always going to catch you. You can go play with friends mm-hmm. instead of maybe even going to a movie with us, mm-hmm. right? But we accept you and you belong with us Mm -hmm. regardless. Mm -hmm. I think, um, and if you, if you look at most of my clients, they work, um, they work on this issue of like, what are the terms to which I belong in a relationship? What, Mm. what makes Mm -hmm. me fit? And, um, the ones who heal on that come to this conclusion. There are no terms for me belonging in a relationship. Um, I'm worthy to belong just because I am who I am. Now, I, I do need to treat people with kindness and, mm-hmm. you know, all of those social things um, that are important, but our inherent value for fitting in doesn't depend on what we do. Or perform, yeah, or performance. Performing. Um, and or so, pleasing. So, again, in the family, this is, this is the only place in the world at this point that can give them uh-huh. that message. And, and I will say, too, my mom was always, she was in education her whole life, um, school teacher, then school counselor. Um, one of the things I don't think that I fully recognize that because she was so comfortable in the education systems, um, like if there was a problem, she would go talk to the teachers. And I would say she had my back, but she also knew I wasn't completely innocent, right? Mm-hmm. And But she could navigate that. And what I found, even when I had, when I had kids, um, I also then wasn't afraid to go into the education system and advocate for my kids or contact a teacher and say, hey, what's going on? Do we have a problem, right? All of that type of stuff. And I would talk to some of my friends who had kids, and they were scared to go into the classroom, mm-hmm. right? It was almost like this school trauma came up for them, and they couldn't advocate for their kids, or they couldn't, like, grab a hold of their adulthoodness mm-hmm. and say, no, I'm a parent, and I'm a part of this educational team. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that can also happen because at this age, as they're starting into school, mm-hmm. and we also belong there. We don't over-belong there. Mm-hmm. But we can't just be like, that's a place you go, and I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. I think really 
demonstrating to our kids the sense of fluid fluidity in mm-hmm. where they belong and how you enter this mm-hmm. space where you belong and how you return to this other space that you belong right. in. And that also says, and in the spaces you go, there is a part for me to play. Mm-hmm. And I will do that. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to overdo it. Like if it's better for you to talk to your teacher mm-hmm. or for you to say something to a friend, mm-hmm. then I'll let you do that. There's but a, I'm also here. There's a real mirroring of that in recovery. When we start to get stable, we start to p- start looking at um, how do the authentic parts of me show up uh-huh. and how do I ensure that that happens in a safe way. Right. Um, I talk with a lot of people who are starting to experiment with that and they are oversharers. Mm. And so they bring the authentic self to everywhere that they go and that authentic self gets beaten up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is one of those recovery principles that you've probably practiced when you're at the stage of how does the family start to heal right. that you have experience in, in making this happen and, and you can you can teach yeah. your kids about that. And this is them. where I have some mixed feelings like about the term mama bear mm-hmm. um, because I question, like I get it. Um, I've probably felt it, mm-hmm. but I question sometimes whether the, where the, um, feelings are coming for from the mm-hmm. mama, right? And if maybe we overstep instead of letting our child lead. Mm-hmm. And and so I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not saying like toss out the term or something, but I think we need to be aware of what's ours yeah. and what our child needs to learn during these stages. Yeah. Whenever, whenever people bring up terms like that, I always go to like literally what that is. And I do, <laughs> I do have some experience with mama bears when I was a backcountry guide in Yellowstone. Um, I remember one of the most terrifying, it was like the most terrifying 24 hours I'd spent in the backcountry. It was the only time in the four years that I worked there that I saw bears. And it was, it, I saw three bears within like 12 hours and it freaked me out. The second um, one, we had just forded this big river. We were near the ranger station and I heard some crashing in the trees and our group was a little bit spread out. We had some faster hikers and some slower hikers and I was back with the slower hikers to make sure that nobody was dying. I hear some crashing through the trees and I look up on the hill and there's these two brown bear cubs just rolling down the hill across the trail. And I signal to the group that I'm with to stop because the rest of the group is ahead. Mm. And I know if there's children in the area, mom's in the area too. This Mm -hmm. is is what they tell you about bear safety. And so I told everyone we're going back to the river where we can see the tree line and um, we know that there's nothing behind us and we're going to wait here a good 30 minutes. Um, because we're not going to get anywhere near these cubs or the mom. Like, we're going to let them pass through. And I think I even had the group start singing so that the bears would know where we were at and they could clear out of the area. Um, We never heard anything else. And Mm -hmm. I listened in the trees. Um, So even when we talk about this mama bear thing, real mama bears don't hover. Right. Um, They know what calls to listen to Uh from their cubs. Um, and they know what to respond right. to. And because ultimately these cubs need to be able to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with our kids. Mm-hmm. Like they eventually, if we do our job well, mm-hmm. are functional adults. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the real opportunity that opens up in recovery for kids this age is we really start to help them feel the transition. And it's not a complete transition mm-hmm. by age 10, but we start to help them feel the transition of you can do more, mm-hmm. and I'm here to support you in that. You're learning how to do this. So the relationship here really, for me, it starts to become much more collaborative than hierarchical. Mm-hmm. I remember with my oldest, um, she was in preschool. So I right on the cusp of five, and uh, she just wouldn't go to preschool. And Well, she would go if me and baby sister 
went with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was not the reason I put her in preschool. Right? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I didn't put her in preschool so I could attend preschool <laughs> and like work in the preschool. And um, it just, I was talking to the teachers. We could not get her past this. Like she loved going to preschool, but mom and baby had to come. <laughs> and so um, one day I was talking to her in the car and I just, I, I mean, it was a complete lie. But I just, <laughs> I just told her, I said, did you know that everybody has a brave bone in their body? And she was like, no, do I have a brain bone? And I said, you do. And she's like, what does it look like? And I said, well, I don't know yet. Like, because you're just growing your brave bone. But when you have your brain bone, you'll be able to go to preschool all by yourself. Right? And she was like, what else will I be able to do? So we talked about all these things that she would do when she had her brain bone, right? And we'd go to preschool and she'd say, I don't have my brain bone today. And I'd be like, ugh. Okay. And I'd give you, you know, some human growth hormone. Okay, that's all right. And the teachers are like, what is this brave bone? Because she's like telling everybody in class, did you know you have a brave bone? And one day, I don't even really know what happened, right? But her little sister, I don't know, but she, she thinks she saved her life. <laughs> and I'm sure there was nothing life-threatening happening. Or right? maybe she did set up something life-threatening. But the oldest was convinced, like the younger one was kind of crawling, and she was convinced that what, I was in the other room, right? So I don't really even know what happened. But she came running in and was so excited because she had a brave bone. <laughs> and I was just like, hot down. <laughs> like, mama doesn't have to go to preschool anymore. <laughs> um. Right, but I think just sometimes talking to our kids about those things yeah. and that they have these abilities mm-hmm. and they may not have them yet, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like, but someday you're going to have that, and yeah. then celebrating with them when they do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, it's time for us to end the episode now. So we want to remind you at the end of this episode, your story matters. Remember, there is something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths Inc or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.